Oh, I forgot to, uh, you know, typical me forgetting things. Let's see here. Illinois. Um, one second here. I'm going to pause this. Okay, so I'm on the Illinois um, Department of Agriculture's website. It's the Adult Use Cannabis website, and I'm looking, and there's a list of 14 names. And I'm joined okay. by one of them, Orogo Labs. Um, uh, your name, <laughs> I'm so high I forgot your name. It's Nick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Nick. So, Nick. Welcome to the Chillinois podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Nick, uh, that was a weird way for me to open up the podcast. Tell us about <laughs> Orego Labs and where, uh, yeah, where you work and sure. stuff like that. Yeah. So Orego may have heard is a, uh, as you just said, is a third party canvas testing lab in the state of Illinois. We're only based here in Illinois. Uh, we're actually up in Jefferson Park, Chicago. So if anybody's in the area, you know, let us know. Maybe you can stop on by. But um, we're a cannabis testing lab and we can do all full compliance cannabis tests that are required by the state of Illinois for cultivators and things like that. We have worked with a number of cultivators uh, since we were operational last October. Um, but I think one of the unique things about Oregon is that we, I believe, are the only lab in the state that works with hemp CBD and uh, home grow customers. So anyone who's home growing or craft growing or prepping for their craft grow, whenever that does something in the political sphere, um, you can come by Oregon. And as long as you have a medical card, you can get the same kind of testing the big guys get. Absolutely. So um, before we get too far into this, tell us where our community can find Orego Labs online. Yeah, so our website is theorigolabs.com. You can also find, so the website, you can find uh, things like how to get set up testing with us or information about what certificates of analysis are and, and those kind of background type information on, on all of our testing and uh, a little bit about who we are. Um but you can also find us in a more casual way on Instagram. Lately, we've been pretty active over the past couple of weeks, and that is at Orgo Labs. So you can find us, see us doing some of our testing, and uh, you know maybe fun outing or two that we uh, tend to take once in a while now that we can. Hell yeah! Um, so um, when like tell us about how you because we've had folks might recall that we've had tim from orgo labs on the podcast a few times nick tell us about how you became involved in orgo labs like who who are you in the in relation to orgo labs sure so at orgo i'm the lab director so i handle most of the science work throughout the day um we have a couple of texts that do a lot of the running of the tests and I'll be involved in that somewhat. But for the most part, I'm a little bit more behind the scenes worrying about, can we stay on our feet day to day? And uh, you know, what, what's next? So what are the new tests we want to look at? What are the new areas we want to dive into? Um, so that's sort of what I do at Orgo. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty ambiguous job, but uh, you know, I came to Orgo, started working in a, the convenient time of March 2020. Uh, 
So we had a fun first couple months trying to figure out whether or not we could still operate. But uh, yeah, I came there in March and actually I, I got the sort of invitation to interview with them. I was in line at a rec dispensary on I think January 2nd or 3rd, 2020. So like the first day we could, I just opened up LinkedIn and said, hey, do you wanna work at a cannabis lab? Like, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, that's, yeah, that's super cool. You're one day and you're in lab, you're uh, in a line for an adult use dispensary and the next day you're, or, you know, soon after you're in a lab testing cannabis. So when you test cannabis, what is your favorite uh, apparatus to use? Do you like to use a bong or do you like to like roll it up in a joint to test the <laughs> cannabis? <laughs> yeah you know unfortunately i make the I think joke, the de- I, make the joke I, know, I know i know yeah. every time every <laughs> everybody Sorry. does but i think the da would have something to say to us about that but uh <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. so you guys use a uh, liquid chromatography am i correct am i is my memory correct there sure that's uh, that's one of the tools in our toolbox yeah gotcha gotcha cool well um very cool. Uh, tell tell us about like uh, a little bit about your background. Like before, um, I guess before you came to Oregon, what did, what did you do before this? Sure. So this is actually my first, uh, you know, real life job. Uh, before this, I was in grad school, so I finished my uh, PhD in physical chemistry over at U Chicago in what June twenty nineteen. And uh, so back there, I was working on something a little bit different. Uh, I was doing more laser chemistry. So we have super high powered femtosecond lasers that can uh, study the quantum mechanics and all that sort of stuff of different molecules. And uh, actually brought up to my old boss, you know, cannabis would be a really interesting one to look at based on a couple of the different uh, trends we've been noticing. So yeah, I come from the laser physics kind of world and wound up doing cannabis testing very cool um have you has cannabis always been uh something that's been a part of your life actually no right i was one of those people i've had cannabis once in a while back in grad school but it just didn't sit right with me for whatever reason and uh actually didn't start using until it was sort of like part of the job where i want to go out understand what's out there you know, learn a lot about sitting on the Reddit to see what everyone's saying and uh, trying to understand the industry a little bit. Yeah, uh, you know, some days I wish it was started sooner, but you know, I'm glad I'm kind of in the spot I am and am able to sort of be, you know, on the ground trying to understand what all these products are that are coming out. Yeah. So you mentioned one of the main things that sets you apart from the other testing labs before we get get into that though yeah. you you mentioned before the podcast that the 14 other names that i saw aren't necessarily in operation anymore or something to that effect can you elaborate more for that you sounded like there was something our audience could learn about that list well, on the illinois department of yeah. ag's website so there's a list on the illinois department of ag and um from what i understand at least talking to like cultivators and all that there are actually only three labs that are accessible on Biotrack for them to actually use. And so my understanding is that a lot of these labs have been around since last year, 
And the deal is just that you need to be ISO accredited within one year of receiving your license. I'm not aware that any of these labs have yet, but I think they may have also been granted some extensions because obviously COVID's happening. Um, but, but you are ISO certified, right? Yeah, we got our license in October and we were ISO certified by March. Um, so awesome. for us, it was about a you know five five-ish month turnaround between getting our cannabis license and doing our audit. Gotcha. So you're one of the three labs operating. Yep. And and uh, cannabis testing in in Illinois. Yeah, I, I believe that there are four, but for whatever reason, um, one of the labs that Cresco uses for their I think it's just the high supply testing right now is uh, Dibel Labs. They're an environmental lab. They are ISO accredited. Um, they're on the list of labs, but I think some people have just not been able to see them in biotrack. So I, I'm not quite sure where that stands, but they're, they're yeah. a good lab. Is it, a, this is might be, a, uh, you might not have expected this question, but um, is it cool to you? I'm having trouble phrasing this question, but is it cool to be one of like four, maybe people, groups of people that are, you know, kind of uh, testing cannabis for the legalized market? Yeah. So that's one of the really interesting things I think about Illinois is a, it's, it's really young, right? So it's been around six years now at this point, but it really is still, you know, not quite there yet. And most other people we talk to, you know, we chat with people all the time in Michigan, California, and Colorado, Nevada, and there are dozens of labs in all those states. And so the entire dynamic of everything that happens is completely different. Um, and so we're in a really unique spot. And I, I think it's, you know, both uh, good and bad, right? There's obviously a lot of history with just a couple really close knit labs over the past couple of years. Um, and we're trying to enter into that space. So that's not the best thing, but it is really great that we have this opportunity to be, you know, that lab that puts out really high quality results. And, you know, we question everything we do and can be, you know, doing things like your podcast where we're out in front and just trying to, you know, let people know like what's in their weed, um, what's yeah. going on with the industry or where things sitting at, how does testing even work? You know, I, I bet you that 99% of your uh, listeners like have never, you know, seen or at least had in their hands um, a certificate of analysis for any of these products. So, right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. That's a good segue into what I wanted to talk about before I wanted mm -hmm. before I wanted to ask that question about the the list of labs, which is some something that sets you apart from the four, three or four labs, whatever the number is, mm -hmm. um, is the fact that you test cannabis for registered medical cannabis patients in the Illinois medical cannabis program. Right. Um, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. What, what does that uh, look like for people that haven't heard about that? And um, yeah, what, what is like, maybe we can go into what options you can see on the COA. Sure. So, you know, I, I actually spent a lot of time doing, uh, you know, seeing what's out there on the Illinois Trees Reddit, you know, which I'm sure your listeners have heard of. And there are a lot of people on there that are really proud of their home growth setups. You know, they think they have some really great stuff. 
Um, but unless you have access to a scientist and an HPLC or something like that, it's really tough to know, you know, is this actually good or not? What do my terpenes look like? It does it match up with what I'd expect for this kind of thing. Um, and you know, that's, those are the kind of people that we want to help out. Right. So we offer the same kind of testing that, you know, cultivators or whoever would get, um, for roughly, you know, maybe a little bit more expensive because of volume, but you can come in with just your five home grows, um, and get your potency tested, get your terpenes tested. If you are concerned about something in your grow, we've had people come in, we've tested micro contamination, heavy metals contamination, those sorts of things on, you know, flour. We've had people bring in their soil to look at heavy metals, their water to look at micro and heavy metals. And, um, you know, can really have an opportunity to help people out when they get stuck. Um, we do testing, you know, not only for your potency and your terpenes, um, but also for those sorts of micro samples, right? Where, um, sorry, can I, can I rewind two seconds? I just got distracted sure. by sure. Yeah. our CEO sending me <laughs> messages. Um, no worries. Okay. So you want to roll back to the home grow? Yeah. Sure. Let me attempt to turn this app off. No problem. Okay. Should be good. All right. Do you want me to like uh, pick up with the question again so that it? Yeah, that'd be good. Cool. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, so thank you for answering that question. I think that uh, that clears up, uh, you know, what I kind of was seeing on the website. And uh, yeah, so like I was saying, though, before we got into that, uh, before you kind of cleared up that I was saying that one of the things that sets you apart from those three to four labs, whatever the number is is the fact that you test uh, homegrown cannabis for folks that are registered medical cannabis patients um, in the Illinois Medical Cannabis Program. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, how that process works. Um, you know, what what is what comes on it? I mean, you mentioned, you alluded to earlier, it's everything that the cultivator would see. Yeah, tell us what's on that, what, could, what they could see on the COA and... Uh, so the, the testing we do our, our standard you know panel that we run for sort of state compliance uh if you gotta imagine most home growers are interested in their flower so for flower type samples we have of course your potency we look at 11 different cannabinoids um hoping to soon upgrade that list to 16 or 21. um your terpenes we currently look at 44 different terpenes and you can get an idea of you know is your strain matching up with what you thought it was is to kind of what you expect. Um, and then all of the contaminants testing. So we've got your heavy metals, your pesticides, mycotoxins, microbial contaminants. Um, and if you do have some kind of infused product or you're just generally curious, you know, we can also do residual solvents testing on those too. Um, so yeah, your process would look pretty much the same, same way as it does for uh, the cultivators except you yourself would have to bring the sample to us if it is a cannabis sample. 
Um, and that's the only real difference. So we go, we have to go out to the cultivators, sample, um, you know, however much product, and then bring it ourselves back to the lab to start the testing. Um, but just for, uh, you know, we would have to drive out to your home to sort of grab it, uh, if that were the case, which, uh, you know, we, we don't have the personnel for that yet. You would love to come but, to all uh, of our houses, but you just, you're right. Um, I get but yeah, it. if you have a homegrown and you're really, yeah, I see a lot of the Reddit people are really proud of, you know, the jobs they do. Um, if you're interested in your product and you want to know what the potency is, know the terps, then you can just stop by uh, Orgo Labs where maybe I mentioned Jefferson Park, Chicago. And uh, if you drop it by, tell us what you want. And if you're doing something just like terpenes and potency, you can expect to get results back in like two or three days. Hell yeah. Well, cool. Very cool. And uh, I'm very excited to announce that uh, Origo Labs will be giving away a uh, one of these tests uh, for free to one of our listeners. Um, details to follow on that, folks. Uh, but just know that, like I said, you will have to be a registered medical cannabis patient in order to participate in this. Um, but Nick, I want to thank you and the team at Origo Labs for providing uh, this this test because I think this is going to be really cool for for some of our passionate home growers out there like you were just talking about uh, that want to know you know hey w w it's like the report card that you get for the work <laughs> you've done right that's how I yeah. kind of look at it so so yeah and I was you know folks if you're wanting to see um, if you're wanting to stack yourself up against me or if no if you're just wanting to see an actual uh you know um field sample if you will uh i was talking to monica um at origo labs and she was saying that that you know since i'm a registered medical cannabis patient patient that i can go ahead and send a sample in so folks um if you want to see it you know if you're interested in purchasing it if you don't win um, because you know we're going to be drawing for a winner if you don't win i'll be doing it uh you know in the next time i have a harvest um so that you can see exactly what i'd get um but i also want to mention that if you go to theorgolabs.com you don't have to wait to see what i get um nick and the folks at orgo labs were kind enough to actually upload um, a lot of really good documentation uh, to help you understand what's even on the COA. And in that, you get to see, well, what's on the COA, right? So you don't have to wait for me to do it to, to see, you know, um, what it all looks like and everything else. But, you know, if you want to have a competition and maybe let's see, see who can get the highest THC percentage, I'm all game. Let's go, baby. Um, so <laughs> I'm just starting friendly competition, Nick, you know, don't mind me. Um, so cool, Nick, I am really excited. Thank you again for, for offering that for our community. Like I say, folks, details to follow, um, check out the oregolabs.com. They have a page specifically for under understanding a COA. So you can get a look at what, you know, this full panel testing looks like. Um, and, uh, you can even use that as a guide when you get it so that you can figure out what the numbers mean and stuff like that, you know, cause they give you a lot of information. That's, mm -hmm. that's, what's really cool about it all. Um, so Nick, 
um, what is your favorite method of consumption? Like, are you a joint guy? Are you a bong guy? Are you a dab guy? Are you like edibles? What is your... Um, my favorite is actually, I have one of the uh, the packs, like dry herb vapes. Nice. That's why I like loading up there. You just get a lot nicer flavor and all. Yeah, you, you get the full effect. And I really like the fact that you can adjust the temperature and you get different sorts of tastes and effects and that sort of thing. Have you had any uh, products that are worth mentioning for our folks? Because, you know, um, we talk a lot about the problems with the legalized market on this show. But the fact of the matter is some folks don't have access to a trustworthy source in the in what we call the legacy market or what's otherwise known as the black market. And so they have no uh, other option but to go to uh, a licensed dispensary which i you know i encourage honestly if you you should because products sold at a licensed dispensary are subject to the testing that nick and uh, the folks at orgo labs do um so that's your best bet at getting a safe and regulated product um so my question is do you have any favorite products that you would like to maybe shout out on the show that you've tried uh, specifically in the Illinois market for some of our folks that might want to try. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to <laughs> mention anybody specifically, right? Cause we, we uh, work or potentially want to work with, with a lot of the, just, you know what, you don't, years. you don't but, have to do that. I, I if you don't want to, I will say, you know, I, I think, I basically follow the guidance of the, the Illinois trees Reddit. So if I like something, it's usually because I picked it up over there. Um, so if you are interested in that kind of thing, highly recommend you you check that place out. Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of gripe over there, but a lot of times it's just really solid product. And so the recently, the two I picked up that I really am liking right now are the uh, Columbia Care Velvet Glove and the, uh, the Rev um, Cookie Dose. Oh, okay. I've heard, I've, yeah, I've seen some good things on that. My, if I see it around, I'll have to have to give it a little taste. So, and uh, I will say, if uh, you're scared away by the, I think the one of the latest velvet gloves was around twenty percent or something like that. Uh, usually, it's up in the thirties. If you're scared away by that, I was curious and brought it into the lab because I can, and uh, it's it's up there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I figure you know, and like we've talked about in the past i don't know if you have an opinion on this um you know mm-hmm. totally putting you on the spot on this but thc percentage arguably isn't uh the determining factor we should be purchasing off our cannabis off of you know yeah yeah i i think i tend to agree with that um i think there's also some personal preference there sure uh, i will Absolutely. say yeah you know so let, let's start i guess I think a lot of what you're alluding to is the assumption that a lot of, that a lot of the numbers are juiced because it no, happens in every no. state or anything like that. Sorry. I was going to say, no, not, not that, but I don't, I want to let you continue that thought and I'll tell you what I was actually thinking. Okay. Um, do you want to roll back at all or is now? <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I thought what you were about yeah. to say might be interesting. Well, I, I will say um, the, the two guidelines I was going to put out, are that a the biological limit where you start seeing you know cannabis just can't produce that much 
say THCA or can, total cannabinoids in general is around 35%. And so, you know, even in the lab, if our tech comes back to me and says, hey, this flower is 33%, I say, excuse me, can you test that again? Um, that's because, uh, you know, it's rare that that happens. Yeah. Um, and I think specifically some cultivators, and I think, you know, everybody's got at least one that, that seems to be testing a little bit higher. But uh, I will say I have seen some in the low 30s come in through our lab. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't just generally assume that everybody's numbers are, are high. I don't think that's the case. I, I think Illinois just has some people that are really, you know, knocking, knocking out of the park with, with a lot of these THC numbers. And so, uh, yeah, if you see something that's 40%, I might not trust that one. <laughs> But, you know, some of the things in the low, you know, high 20s, low 30s, I've tested at least to be pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah. Well, and one thing I think maybe we talked about with Tim in the past is that sometimes mm -hmm. it might show a certain percentage, but it, and you add up maybe the five cannabinoids that are displayed mm -hmm. on the label and that doesn't add up. It's because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but it's because there's another cannabinoid being added into the equation that's not one of the five that are uh, required by law to be listed on the container, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, most labs test for at least 11 cannabinoids, sure. um, at least the four or so in Illinois do. And a lot of cultivators like seeing the actual total that they measure rather than the specific cannabinoid this you know the, the five that everybody yeah. walks through same idea as a lot of packaging has a couple of the top terpenes right but then they mm -hmm. might also list their total terpene content there's a lot more or that's not being shown but maybe they're like you know 0.08 percent or something like that same yeah. potency um the two that you will see very often are i i guess not two but cbg and cbga uh -huh. um are, are very common to come up and you'll see some cultivators like i know i know columbia care does and may, maybe a few others that they list out um they actually don't use the little biotrack label they they list out the outputs from the coa on their packaging and so you get to see the cvga is there and some of the other major cannabinoids are there too very cool um yeah so what i was gonna say is that you know you don't go to the liquor store and purchase your alcohol mm. typically based on mm -hmm. just the alcohol content alone right yeah and so um you know oh hey there's my cat um i think my cat wants in but anyways uh you know you don't go to the liquor store and buy everclear because it's 92 percent alcohol and just go home and drink that right like that's it's not how we do things, but mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I will say, I was about to say, there's definitely an element that you you can draw like some parallels. So, for example, like you know, a couple of beers that are only like three to five percent could be you know just a couple of microdose to edibles, whereas you know, a couple of shots could be equivalent to a couple of dabs, I guess, but 
obviously we know that it's hard that we're really comparing apples to oranges so um so yeah well one second here i'm gonna let this cat in here he really wants to join the podcast Mm -hmm. all right my cat has joined us everything is well you good buddy cool all right so nick um let's let's close the podcast maybe with an open discussion uh just you know we we were talking about cannabis testing earlier um and you know you're we're on got a scientist on the chillinoy podcast i figured it'd be cool to have a a scientific experiment or a scientific experiment not a, a scientific conversation it'd be really cool to have a scientific experiment right now something up. yeah i don't know I, I just always lean, lean towards blowing something up. I'm like Beavis off of uh, Beavis and Butthead. I'm just like, fire. But anyways, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, tell us a bit more about how um, can, do you, like, how did cannabis testing even start? Like, are the machine, let me ask you this way. Are the machines that are used for cannabis, te- like, how have they always been used? like yeah like they were just made for cannabis you know i mean pesticides are pesticides mycotoxins solvents like these all have epa usp methods that have been run on the same instrumentation for the last 40 years um so it's all we're just borrowing elements right from that sort of food testing area and the literal only difference between us using USP 467, which is the residual solvents assay for a GC FID and using our own internally developed in-house things is because there's no infrastructure in the scientific method supply chain right now for us to translate all of that directly over to cannabis because it's just a different material. So you'll see if you look up any of these methods that I'm talking about, pesticides, solvents, heavy metals, whatever, they'll all have a list of different what what we call matrices that they apply to. So different products, essentially. And so there will be a matrix for water. There's a there's a method for for corn. There's a method for walnuts. Right. And (laughs) none of those things directly translate over to cannabis. And, And so some tests are easy to pull over some tests you kind of have to start from scratch the only other industry that cares at all about terpenes is beer because they, they want to get the flavor the flavor of the hops and so they'll run a larger terpene scan on something that's very similar to cannabis um, and that's where all of that methodology comes from for for the terpenes testing and actually before the rules loosened up a little bit in the past couple of years, hops were actually the go-to substitute for cannabis when we're testing out our methods. So if you don't have cannabis in-house or you can't get a hold of it and you need like a blank to use, hops were, were what what everybody was using. What do you mean what do you mean by that? I don't know if I'm just like I don't sure. understand uh, anything sure, that you just said. <laughs> so you you mean about uh, just like testing hops, in general? Or hops from? with cannabis. Yeah. Like how, what what, yeah. what were you just saying about that? So so hops and cannabis are, are two very similar things, right? Okay, yeah. They're both these botanical flowers that have distinct flavors, right? Yep. And they have active components that people look for. 
Mm-hmm. And because hops and cannabis are so similar, before federal rules opened up to allow us to do things like get hemp in to, to develop all of our methods on, we people used to use hops. Gotcha. Understood. Now, and you're, and one of the things that you said relates between hops flower and cannabis flower is, yeah. and I don't know if that's, is it hops flower? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, I, I don't, I'm not that. sure. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't either. Um, but anyways, like one of the similarities though you're talking about between hops, beer, and uh, cannabis is the fact that both have terpenes present. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a question that, uh, you know, I'm going to be looking to do more research on, um, but I don't know if you have any, um, immediate thoughts, you know, what, what are your thoughts, I guess, about terpenes and cannabis? And it, if you think that's a loaded question, mm-hmm. it is because <laughs> <laughs> I, the reason I'm asking it, I guess, just to put, try to put you on the right track with what I'm asking is uh like with beer for example you know they mm-hmm. talk about terpenes but they don't necessarily talk about in my opinion maybe i'm admittedly i'm not part of the craft brewing scene i don't <laughs> drink a lot of beer at all um, but from what i understand they don't really sell they might tell you what terpenes are in it so that you know like if it's a spicy beer if it's kind of a fruity beer a tangy beer or whatever but they don't like I don't know. It's a different, like the way that they talk about terpenes in beer is really different from the way that they talk about terpenes in cannabis, in my opinion. And I know I'm kind of yeah. being vague, but like, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on all of that? Any of that? Do you have any thoughts on terpenes? Yeah. So, you know, there's been this idea for quite a while that the terpenes impact the way the product affects you. So it's called the entourage effect, Yeah, you call it. And you can have, you know, you, you can just pull a vape, right, of straight THCA or something like that. And it could affect you differently than smoking a flower that has all of these terpenes and botanicals and everything else going on for it. And, um, you know, that, that I think has been debated a lot in the, you know, around, around the scientific world. I personally am, a skeptic of all that um yeah but clearly there's something going on right it's not just thca right all of these strains you have sativas you have indicas even that simple distinction right which is not much of a distinction anymore but you have some that make you more energized and some that make you pretty sleepy right that's sure. um and so clearly there's something happening that's not just thca and the way you're sort of metabolizing all of that and clearly when you do the extraction right it it still kind of comes out in in the extracts you get now if i just put thca isolate in my coffee right it would probably give me the effect of just the thca but in all these products that are being sold uh you know they they have different effects so something's going on i don't 100 percent buy that it's just terpenes and that's one of the goals of orgo really is asking these science questions, being a little bit skeptical about the common interest and really going after the problems that could advance the cannabis science. So for right. example, in addition to terpenes, you've got uh, flavonoids and you know, all these other compounds, you know, 
that I mean, we, could and we completely just talked, affect the taste. Right? You were, yeah, you were saying like, you know, your guys's test only does like a, and I don't mean to say only does eleven, right. but you know, it does eleven cannabinoids. Mm-hmm. Or test is that? Am I saying that correct? It tests for eleven cannabinoids. Yep. Um. Uh. But there's over a hundred known cannabinoids. Right. No, that's so, right. And so same, I feel like that goes terpenes. to your point. <laughs> oh, interesting. Interesting. Right, there, there are hundreds of terpenes, right? So that it's goes to your point. Cannabis. <laughs> that well, that I feel like that all goes to your point uh, in which, like, how can you say it's any one of these things when there's when it's a really there's a lot of things going on. Right, and, and you know, I, I point to. You know, flavonoids in particular, they're they're part of a what class the hell of are molecules. Flavonoids? Uh, like flavor molecules. You can think of it like flavor molecules. So okay. um, a common one in cannabis is literally called canflavin. Right? <laughs> it's the flavonoid that you find in cannabis. And uh, these compounds are all, all uh, a, a part of a bigger class called polyphenols. Okay. And you're starting to hear that pop up a lot more in the food industry that people are getting interested in either the total what you'll hear is total polyphenolic content or breakdown between a couple of different classes and it's giving this idea that nutrition is not just calories right in the same way that cannabis isn't just thc right Right. there are other things in there that aren't going to be on the label right that could impact the way that uh, you experience the food or the way it affects your metabolism, right? You hear a lot of um, talk in the wine space right now about reversitrol, right? It's this molecule that has some alleged anti-aging effects, right? The fact is that many of these molecules I'm talking about are all um, antioxidants Hmm. and they're found in abundance in cannabis. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, Orgo is kind of set up or is in the process of being set up in the way it is, is so that we can do those things. Like I mentioned a little bit ago, right? We just kind of took these methods from other fields, right? When the cannabis testing really started, our LC triple quad mass spec, right? Can do pesticides, any pesticide, doesn't have to be on the cannabis list. Any pesticide, it can look for basically any molecule Right. And so we're trending down this path of, hey, can we just put together a polyphenol assay that can complement the terpenes and just be another data point that people are probably going to want in a couple of, you know, five to 10 years or two to five years, however long it takes to for it to get off the ground. Uh, I'm sure it will. And so we're always looking ahead, trying to understand where these things are at and really kind of, you know, approaching the science in a more academic way right i'm i just finished grad school so that's kind of like where my mind's at and i'm interested in you know what's new what's current what's happening and not particularly interested in how many samples can we turn a week yeah i don't know if this is a question for you so much as it is for the people that run the CRISPR labs you know the people that are doing (laughs) like you know coding for genetics and stuff but like is it are there machinery do you guys have it in your lab um, for like sequencing, like uh, <laughs> yeah. like the code of <laughs> like the genetic code of a strain or anything? 
so sequencing is incredibly complex. Um, we do not have that capability in-house, um, but we are outsourcing that capability to some specs. So we're working with a couple of companies um, that include, you may have heard of medicinal genomics. Uh, they're a big name in the industry um, that we work with for all of our PCR assays. Okay. And um, so they are working with us on some sequencing. The idea is that we might, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of information and a lot of capabilities and a lot of access to cannabis products and, and they're kind of place that can't accept cannabis product from Illinois. Um, and so we work with them to use their assays, kind of knock it down into a non-usable form and then send it off for sequencing. And that, that's something that we can then offer to customers. Nice. So um, with regard to sequencing, what does is there, is there any cool future that sequencing would allow uh, for, like, for example, um, I'm thinking of the idea of like coming up with a consistent product like it seems like that's one thing that mm -hmm. the cannabis uh industry lacks is a consistent product you know like i really like yeah. coca-cola i'm a coke head in, in that way coca-cola mm -hmm. nah. i've tried cocaine but one of these days maybe but anyways uh <laughs> just joking anyways uh you know you like coca-cola you go back you can always get another coca-cola and you know what it's mm -hmm. gonna taste like yeah. and there's no question the same cannot really be said for for cannabis, I mean, let's say, I don't know, I'm just going to throw one out there, Mag Land Race. You want to go out and get Mag right. Land Race because you love it. Some days it may be great. Some days it may be a great batch of Ma Mag Land Race, but some days it may not even resemble what you understand a Mag mm -hmm. Land Race to be. You're like, what? It's usually purple or something like that. I don't right, know. Right, right. Um, do you see genetic sequencing allow allowing for some more consistency in the market? like like i'm talking about or is that yeah. just a crazy question so no i mean so two things on this first um just about some of the applications in general you know you were just mentioning crispr right if i crispered some hemp and i removed the genes that code for thc synthase then i could be guaranteed to never have a failing product that has delta 9 in it wow. right so i mean that's a simple one right yeah but you can do this for a lot of different things as long as you understand the genome and understand what, you know, how different things correlate. And that's, you know, we're really interested in building up a huge data set to understand what's going on with different strains. What does a strain even mean? Right. Yeah. You well, mentioned Maglan trace, right? Yeah. If you get Maglan, we're all growing in Illinois. Right? If you get Maglan trace from, you know, Verano versus Ascend or whoever else, right? They're going to be completely genetically different, yeah. right? Uh, if you take a seed that you got in a, you know, some, let's say, you know, I see this happening all the time. You, you just get an eighth from the store, you find a seed in it, you grow it. Guess what? It's probably going to be a little bit different than, yeah. Uh, the the starter plant that you bought so you know really the system we're using overall in cannabis is pretty outdated sure um i, I mentioned earlier that you know, sativa and indica don't mean anything right everything's a hybrid there, there's no true indica there's no true sativa 
mm-hmm. Maglandres. What does that even mean? It's not, you know, strain names are just branding at this point. Yeah. Right? Well, and they shouldn't. And, this is a point I've made so many times that people hate me at this point, but they shouldn't even be called strain <laughs> names. Right, right. Like, strain is borrowed from microbiology and is, is usually just <laughs> used to describe a genetic variant or subtype of mm-hmm. virus, you know, or bacteria or fungi. Yeah. You know, in the, uh, Science we call them cultivars. There are all the different things you can have. Yeah. So I I can get different cultivars from different regions, and they'll look very different. Um, and you know that's just how biology works. Really, it's just lots of diversity. Um, and so th- this is why really the the industry is pointing toward this idea of genetic testing, right? Genetic sequencing is because then you can actually fingerprint and patent the strain right and you know exactly what it is as long as it has this sequence within x number of base pairs then you know you can take ownership of it yeah you can guarantee that every time you grow it it's going to be the same as long as your growth conditions are the same right um at least with a lot more consistency than we can now hell yeah can CRISPR, I don't know, I know this is maybe a hard question to ask since maybe we haven't done it with cannabis yet, but could could you like CRISPR a cannabis, uh, I just call them strains, I know we should be calling them cultivars or varieties, but um, you know, uh, could we CRISPR cannabis to grow uh, certain maybe cannabinoids in abundance like maybe we want one that's really high in thc or maybe we want one that's really high in cbg mm. do you think that would be so i'm not a microbiologist but um you know i've seen a lot of crazy things happen with crispr fundamentally crispr is a way to uh remove segments of the dna right yeah um I think cannabis science in general is too young to be able to answer that question right now. Sure. Um, because what you're talking about isn't just, is the gene there, right? I could, I could probably use CRISPR. I'm not me. Oh yeah. I'm kind of crossing, I'm kind of crossing subjects. I don't know. Right. But it's like, I could, you could probably use CRISPR and you remove THCA synthase. Right. And you wouldn't have THC anymore. Mm. Um, that kind of thing is easy to think about what you're talking about is more um the level of expression yeah and there can be lots and lots and lots and lots of different things that will affect the expression right environmental Um, factors sure right right so one example is that um so cannabinoids like i mentioned are are antioxidants right Mm -hmm. and so if i stress out the plant by shining a ton of uv light on it i can probably cause it to produce more antioxidants because it's trying to not get just blasted with photons all the time Mm. and i might generate more cannabinoids right and what causes that cascade of i'm absorbing light i'm making you know electrons and whatever um processes go on with that light absorption right 
there's a whole cascade of things that lead to the plant deciding, okay, I'm going to generate more THC because I know it can be a funnel for some of that extra energy that I don't want to deal with. Right. So anything along any kind of axis, right. Could affect the uh, expression of your, you know, your synthesis or whatever else is going on biologically to actually affect your THC levels or your CBD levels or have more CBG in this strain and have less THC in this strain and dial things in a little bit more. So I think, I don't think we know enough about cannabis to really latch on to that. Um, but people are starting to get there, I think. Gotcha. Um, one last CRISPR question that you probably won't be able to answer, but um, it can could, could we CRISPR a cannabis strain that actually makes Giordano's taste good? No, I'm just joking, people. That was a diss for my Chicago crowd. Um, uh, so uh, that wasn't a real question. That was just me being <laughs> stupid. Um, I love Aurelio's Pizza folks that are listening and, and so shots fired um you know anyways though um uh, moving on i think it's i'm thinking about pizza because it's just about six o'clock um are there any other cool things that you could tell our audience about cannabis testing and i know that's a vague question but anything maybe that we wouldn't have imagined um i mean one thing that uh tim mentioned last time is that a lot of the the edible labels that that we see out there maybe aren't as correct as we might (laughs) be led to believe because of the way that the edible testing worked at the time i i know that things were due to change i guess maybe my question could be do you know if that has changed yet nick do do you guys still are edibles with labs around the uh, state still, do they still test the distillate first and not the final product? So, I mean, I can't talk to anything that our labs are doing. I do know that the labeling in Biotrack has changed over the past year. Okay. Um, so that previously I, I did see Biotrack labels come off that said, the distillate from this product was tested and now it just says here are the results for this product gotcha gotcha understood i mean yeah it's it's just an interesting kind of thing so like what was that i was just gonna say so as far as i know all of the labs are testing the entire edible finished product okay interesting cool cool well it's good to hear that that changed because that's i always thought that was pretty wild um i mean edibles are really hard um you know infused products and edibles are are tough to to test definitely especially with as much as they come up with you know you got taco seasoning mints breath spray (laughs) um fucking chocolate bars you know you name it yeah I, i can go on with all the things we've seen come through our door but (laughs) yeah yeah um cool well um i'm just trying to think if there's anything else you know that i i've got a scientist on the line i want to make sure that i ask (laughs) that i ask questions um 
is it have, what's the craziest uh concentrate you've seen come through your doors number wise you don't have to you know you don't have to say the product or anything but numbers wise have you ever seen anything crazy come in like a 96 percent or anything nuts no no I, nothing too crazy i think maybe one broke the 90s that i've seen but again it's like that's you know one out of x number right sure um so cool, yeah for the most part everything we see comes in between 60 and 85 around there depending on what you're looking at a lot of what we see is delta 8 products because um, like i said we deal a lot with the the hemp market uh-huh. um so i'll say on that if, you know um that's a fun thing to talk about too is that you see a lot of delta 8 products and i'll just say that we have never seen a single delta 8 product that didn't have multiple percent thc delta 9 thc in it sure and uh usually what we found is that it's about a one to ten ratio every time so if you've got a 70 percent d8 you usually have about seven percent delta nine with it seven percent yeah interesting that's a pretty good little buzz well it's all uh federally not allowed (laughs) (laughs) yeah no no i'm just joking around uh, but you know, ten percent. I'm saying if get a pro- product with ten percent THC, that's good little buzz, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, now I hear you. Um, it's it's what's called a hot product. Can't be <laughs> can't be sold in the the gas station and such. Yeah. So I guess a final topic to uh, close on. Why? And it's kind of a softball question for you. Why should our listeners avoid? maybe some of those gas station brands uh that that maybe can't provide a a coa you know if they can provide a coa that's one thing but um why are coas important yeah so in hemp testing the only test that's required for you to get to put it on a store shelf is potency to make sure the percentage of delta 9 just delta 9 not thca is less than 0.3 percent they don't have to go through heavy metals testing. They don't have to go through pesticides, residual solvents, That's anything. So crazy. And they can put it on the shelf. And that so, if so you, crazy. you get a distillate, random distillate from a gas station. We have done this. Um, you know, more than likely, you're going to see A, if, if it's a Delta 8 product, it's probably going to have a couple percent Delta 9 in it. B, depending on the how gas stationy this this product is you know you could have residual solvents left over and this is not just you know the stuff you usually see at the store or the dispensary these distillates they're all uh ethanol based which if there's a little too much ethanol in your distillate then it's not great but the limits for that biologically are a lot higher than some of the other solvents people use and we've seen people do petroleum extractions and have lots of leftover you know, hexanes and things that you don't want to be smoking. Um, we've also seen heavy metals come through. Usually those are due to cartridges that they might get for cheap overseas. Um, and they just have lots of lead and chromium in them. So it's a major concern. Everything that was a concern with the whole vaping issue is a concern still with cannabis, especially if it's not going through rigorous testing. So if you see a product on the shelf that you want to get, make sure that there's a COA with it. 
make sure that that COA is legit. Some things we've seen is people will go online and Photoshop a, somebody else's COA with their info on it. So make sure it's legit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after that, just make sure that they got the right things tested that you're concerned about. Right. So usually for flour, a lot of hemp has a lot of microbial contaminants in it. Um, and in addition to that, you know, some of the flour is sort of sprayed with either terpenes or with uh, Delta-8 distillate. And you want to watch out for that, too, because they can have residual solvents, even on flour, which you wouldn't normally see in a dispensary. So just, uh, you know, be safe. Check things out. Make sure things are tested. And if you're concerned, if you got a medical card, drop it by. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool, Nick. Well, I appreciate your time. Remind our listeners uh, where we can find Orgo Labs uh, online. Yeah, you can find us at theorigolabs.com and on Instagram at origolabs. All right, folks, that'll be in the podcast description. Um, Nick, you got any fun plans this evening? You got What are you having for dinner tonight? You got anything cool? No idea. No idea. Cool. My cats are wondering the same question, but uh, you should do. Got some, you should do uh, pizza. We, made... we were talking about pizza earlier, right? You know, I know. we just we just got some a couple of days ago, so maybe not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we made up some like mutter paneer the other day. So okay, nice, cool. We have some leftovers. That sounds delicious. Well, cool, man. Well, you enjoy that, and thank you for your time today. Um, folks i hope you found some value in this episode as always if you have any questions just reach out to us uh, chillinoid.net slash contact um, i'm sure if you go to the oregolabs.com they've got a contact page as well if you've got any questions for them nick is that correct yep yeah, that's right cool yeah you'll find a contact page on there folks if you got any questions about testing how it works whatever whatever you got just send them their way send it our way you know and we'll get back to you as soon as we can and uh yeah see you on the next episode thanks folks